Welcome to What to Expect When You're Healing, your guide to self-empowered healing in the aftermath of abuse. We'll help you gain insight, learn practical skills, and navigate your healing journey to transform from survivor to thriver. Don't worry, your device isn't broken. This is just a rewind episode of the podcast. We found a recording that we did a couple of years ago and we just want to reshare it with you because we feel like you can really learn a lot from this. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to today's Swan Waters podcast titled The Identified Patient. We're delighted to have you join us today. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to acquaint you with a little bit about the format of the call. Um, we're going to slate this for 30 to 60 minutes um, and see how it goes. Uh, this is pre-recorded, so we don't have the benefit of live Q&A, but if you'd like to ask any questions of our speakers, of course, you feel free to contact them on the website right below on the same page where you're listening to us now. There's a place where you can submit questions and we'll all see them. So without any further delay, let's move into the topic, the identified patient with our with today's speakers, which I'm excited to have back with us, and that they are Stefan and Monkey, and welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Uh, no, normally, you know, we, we would say, hey, you know, uh, at this point, um, you know, wanting to talk a little bit about yourselves and a little bit of bio stuff, but um, you folks have been on so many podcasts with us, and, and your bio information is really all over the website. So it's so easily to, easy to find that uh, I think we should just jump right in. So okay. I am going to turn the reins over to Monkey to kick us off. Yes. I just wanted to quickly. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if every, everyone is uh, familiar with the term "identified patient." It's a, it's a term from um, really from family therapy uh, type places, um, and it's used for the uh, phenomenon where one person in a toxic family is um, has the the dysfunction of the family projected onto themselves, uh, and they are. Um, labeled as the crazy one, the problem child. Um, you know, they are often the scapegoat of the family, but it sort of goes beyond that. And it's it's very common that this particular person in a family is also the first person to um, look outside the family unit for help, um, you know, developing um, issues like depression or you know, that kind of stuff. Um and it's all about projection. Am I right, Stefan? <laughs> yes. Or am I just talking? <laughs> no, you're doing great. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I, I can't say I'm an expert on this, but um, um, you know, it, it it definitely is the scenario where where the the family drags the the problem child into counseling or something like that, yeah. or even just in you know the church scenario or something like that where they're uh, the, the 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 problem child is the one that that the quote quote problem child is the one that needs to be fixed, right? So they're mm-hmm. they're it's like you're taking your car to the mechanic, right? Yeah, you know and I something's mean, wrong with it. Fix it. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, not my and problem. neither yeah exactly neither one of us obviously is a is a licensed counselor or, or therapist or any of that. But we, I at least for me, I was the identified patient in my family, yes. uh, and I think you were in yours as well. 
Yep, still am. So we're experienced <laughs> experts. Yay! <laughs> I don't know if it's worth celebrating or not, but. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, tell, uh, tell us a bit about how that. Well, my. my <laughs> was my, for you. My, my um, most significant example of um, identified patient is uh, I was about nine. Um, and I, uh, my, my parents had decided that I was, um, the most evil thing that ever walked the earth. Um, and, and, you know, looking back, I, I was, I had my twin younger brothers were born when I was five. Um, and so, you know, part of that was I did go from, you know, being an only child to being pretty much an afterthought. Um, especially when you add the, the whole, twin attention getting dynamic into my my mother's you know quiver right so she yeah, could that must have been nice yeah so she could you know trot the twins out in their identical outfits in a, in a double stroller and everybody was like oh my god are those twins <laughs> you know so it was a lot of it she got herself a lot of attention that way mm-hmm. and you know so i became more of like just more of a nuisance and and i don't doubt that you know being that age and a boy, excuse me. Um, and I probably did act out some, um, and, you know, given the scenario. Um, but so I was, but it kind of went above and beyond. They, they had me convinced that I was, I was basically pure evil. Um, and that, um, they had me thinking I was going to be the next Charles Manson. And, um, so they, they took me into counseling and the first time, you know, because they needed to fix me. So the first time we went into counseling was the counselor and myself, <coughs> excuse me, um, and my parents. And I remember literally sitting, I was like nine years old. And my and I, I look at my daughter, who's nine, and I can't even imagine putting her through something like this. You know, it's, and, they, and I was literally crying at the, at the counselor, you know, please fix me. I'm so screwed up. Um, you know, I, I just, I was falling apart. So we had, I think maybe one or two more sessions like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the counselor kind of picked up on this whole thing and this is probably 30 years ago or more, right? This is, um, you know, I want to give my age away here, but <laughs> um, it's a while uh, back. Let's yes, right. Stay with that. <laughs> it's not last week. <laughs> um, but so the counselor kind of picked up on this whole, you know, there's <clears throat> more to it. And so he asked um, for my, after about a couple of weeks for my for my parents to bring my brothers in, and then we kind of moved to this room down the hall um, where we had like a family counseling room with couches and for everybody to sit, kind of thing. And then so we continued to plug away on all my issues, um, <clears throat> and eventually I was given a book that was t- entitled um, "Passive Aggressive Personality Disorder," um, and so the and I was you know told to read this and. And what it became is it became a wonderful tool for my parents to hit me over the head with um, anytime I would misbehave in their eyes, right? They would say, well, you know, you're being passive aggressive. And here I'm nine, right? And I'm handed this mm-hmm. this book that's, you know, full of psychological terms, right? Really bizarre, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't wow. really have any, you know, my, my ability to comprehend this was minimal yeah. at oh, best sure, sure. you know i mean i could hardly read half the words in there at the time and um so we went kind of down that road for a while and i was and he, i think he kind of i think the counselor was actually 
better than what my parents thought, you know. But they were doing, I think, in their mind, they were checking the box. You know, we've got this son that's a problem, and so mm-hmm. we're going to take him to counseling, right? And then we'll get him fixed, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and so he, I think he picked up on the whole identified patient thing. I mean, I think when you get that scenario when <clears throat> a family comes in and everybody's pointing at one person, is okay, well, there's a lot more to it than this. Um, and so we continue to go on through counseling for... Well, probably close to a year. And then I'm in meanwhile, you know, working on my issues and whatnot. And, um, and we had an incident then at one point, at, you know, after I mean, it took a long time for my parents to even come, like come off their, their horse, I guess, with, you know, beating up everybody becoming comfortable enough for the counselor to actually like interact normally instead of putting on the show we had to put on for the counselor. Uh-huh. So there was this, my parents had a disagreement about something. I don't remember what the disagreement was exactly. Um, but I kind of chimed in and agreed with my mother. I, and all I did was, you know, I said, yeah, I really, you know, it was something like some sort of family activity kind of thing. And I kind of said, yeah, I really like it when we do that. And essentially agreed with my mother. And my father turned to me at the time and um, he, you know, told me, he's like, you be quiet, you're being disrespectful. Well, you know, I guess being frustrated because I was, you know, disagreeing with him. Um, mm-hmm. but the, you know, or my, or my, um, and then my mother did the same thing and I was agreeing with her telling me I was being rude and, and inconsiderate. And, and the counselor just kind of looked aghast and he, after the whole little episode ended, he said, I didn't think that Stefan did anything wrong. I think all he did was state his opinion. And I think he don't think he did it in a mean way or a bad way at all. So and let they, me guess, that was the last session. Um, close. So <gasps> they, 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 and they vehemently disagreed with him. So they said, "Well, no, he's being, he's being, you know, insubordinate and rude." And so I think, I think, exact the 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 counselor at the time knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. And um, but yeah, then we went to about two more sessions after that, and that was the end of it. All of a sudden, we couldn't <laughs> afford it anymore. That is um, that is because, very. Very surprising. Yeah. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> um, because, you know, that as soon as it becomes a family issue and it's not just my issue anymore. Exactly. Then then we don't want to talk about it. Right? Mm. It's, you know, we, we only talk about certain things. <laughs> it is, um, um, that is. That is actually fairly similar to what happened when uh, when my family ended up in family therapy. Um, and it, it, it was, I wasn't. I was, it was later on. It was, I was, must've been about 16. Um, and it was a school that it initially it sent me to like a social worker within the school. And then, you know, that stepped up to me going to a therapist and that, and then the therapist asked my parents to join. And then eventually mm. she was the person who said, you know what? I think the whole family needs to get together. Yeah. Um, so we went to this family therapist <laughs> And uh, I'm sorry, I'm starting laughing, but it's just a ridiculous story. Yeah. So, um, uh, so it, new, a new face, new therapist. Um, so we're all sitting there. I have three older sisters, so six of us are sitting in a sort of circle type formation therapist with us. And um, you know, and we start talking about what's going on. And obviously, it's all about. Initially, it's all about me because I am the reason where they are, right? Because right. I was yes. one who was sent there by my school. Yeah. Um. And about five or ten minutes in to the session, 
And family therapist turns <laughs> turns to my mother and says, "It's you. You're the problem." <laughs> wow! And that was uh, really quick. <laughs> that was very quick, but also yeah. we were all so well trained. Obviously, we all jumped up and said, yeah, no, "Defended her, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yes." But obviously, we never went back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <that was laughs> I have one and only session, and because yeah. my mother said, "No," and this woman is awful, and I never want to have to see her again. Yeah. And the whole fa- and that was and that was the end of therapy when I was sixteen. That was the last session. Yeah. Yeah. Um And it started a little bit later for me, like you said about when you were about nine. And it stuck for me. It kind of started when I was around about twelve. Yeah. And I, I um, this is when I had um, uh, my accident and uh, I was run over by a lorry, and so I broke a yeah. leg. And it, you know, the recovery was um, was not that easy. So. I think, and I'm four years younger than my next sister, so I was kind of an afterthought in that sense. Yeah. Or, or an accident. I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting, though, that there's different this, opinions about that. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting that you would be the youngest would also be the scapegoat. That That is kind of. A yeah, lot of times, a lot of times they're the, they're the golden child, you know, yeah, they're the baby. I'm, de- I'm definitely not. Uh, yeah. And also, one of the reasons why I think I wasn't. All my sisters are about a year, year and a half apart, and then there's uh, like four to nothing, and then there's me. So yeah. I think it wasn't necessarily planned. You, were, you weren't really included. <laughs> so <laughs> I, wasn't kinda, really, yeah. I wasn't really part of the ideal little family. Um, and then I was the the fourth girl as well. They didn't even get a boy uh. because they didn't like that either. Anyway, <laughs> so that's a different discussion. Yeah. But so by the so by the time I was twelve, I was supposed to not be that dependent on my my parents anymore, right? Because that's sort of when you start, you know, you go to high school and you start right. doing your own thing. And but then obviously I had that accident, and then I become I became very dependent on my parents again mm-hmm. because I couldn't go places, and I needed them to drop me off at school and pick me up, and you know all these things, and I couldn't really do very much with uh, friends because you know couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of kind of a puts a damper on things. Yeah, um, and obviously the accident itself had a huge emotional impact for me as well because being run down by a lorry isn't, you know, a sort of every that's a traumatic occurrence in itself. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I'm so I am sure that there was all sorts of turmoil going on, and I'm sure that I was maybe not the nicest person in the world at that point in time. Because well, plus it was you're a teenage girl, so you got a lot of stuff going on too. Well, that, there's <laughs> that, and then and then just the frustration of because I used to do a lot of sports, and all of a sudden I wasn't able to do anything. I mean, I I yeah. went like watch polo two three times a day or, or a week. I I yeah. went rowing. I cycled back and forth to school, which was like an eight-mile one-way trip. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got a lot of exercise, and then all of a sudden I wasn't allowed or able to do anything. So even that just, you know, huge changes in um, right. in how your brain functions. So yeah. this is really when it start when I became the problem child. And it's funny to me that um, we were talking – quickly before we started recording about a flying monkey that came into my life uh-huh. a few weeks ago and, and gave me some uh, valuable insights into my family, what my family is saying about me now that I'm not in, no longer in contact with them. And one of the things they're saying apparently is that I changed so much because I had that accident that that is the reason why my family is, has fallen apart, huh. right? 
So I find that very interesting because that's that is exactly the moment where I became the identified patient, and apparently still am. Yeah, <laughs> still, hmm, you know, I mean, I'm still the only thing that's wrong with my family as me. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's it's very common, I think, in those, especially something like that where you've had kind of a traumatic thing, and all of a sudden you become a burden, mm-hmm. and you know, not I me, mean, not. But it's not, you know, you only become a burden to somebody if there's actually if they actually don't really love you at all, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they feel obligated, right? They have to take care of you because what would other people say? <laughs> well, exactly. And and especially in a, in a situation like this because obviously uh, uh, now all of a sudden I was uh, seeing doctors regularly. I had physical therapy every week. Uh, you know, the school was obviously – uh, uh, giving me more attention because they were they were actually trying to be helpful and actually trying to make sure that I was that the uh, not just the physical injury but also the emotional trauma of it mm-hmm. didn't mess up my academic um, yeah. Yeah. performance. So all of a sudden, there's all these uh, people that are that are helping me and that are uh, looking out for me and that are checking up on me. Um, so yeah, I can understand that that's very annoying for them because they have to do something Right. because otherwise all these, all these authority figures are going to find them out. Right. Yes. <laughs> and that will go against the perfect family image that they're exactly. trying to maintain. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is then they can, then they can, they can switch on you, right? And then the the the, the kind of you know uh, comment like my mother would, you know, I, I love him so much. I, I don't know what I can do for him, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 kind of backbiting compliment type of thing. He's, yeah. You know, he's so talented. I you know, I really wish that he would find something that made him happy or something like that. You know, it's like um, you know, so basically the whole underlying current of you're an underachiever you're not you're not living up the standards kind of thing right but and and even that sort of um making themselves the victim of Mm -hmm. bad offspring i guess right is um you know that's a lovely narcissistic supply oh yeah absolutely pity me i have this really difficult teenager who mm-hmm. won't walk because her leg's broken oh, oh yeah. no <laughs> don't put it like that but <laughs> yeah but right. you know what i mean like oh i've got this troubled teen at home pity me narcissistic yeah. supply because everybody is gonna say oh that's so horrible and right do you know what i mean yeah exactly right and that's definitely something that i mean my mother is is she's a master at going pathetic mm. um you know the second you actually corner her on something she immediately goes pathetic yeah, and brings yeah, it back to too. her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that way she brings the attention back to, to her and her issue. Cause she had it so much worse and it yeah. was so bad. And, you know, to be fair, my mother did have it. She did, she didn't have a great life growing up. She was her mother. Um, she was born when her mother was 43 and this mm-hmm. is, you know, years ago. So this is definitely an oops kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and she, had three older brothers, and she was basically a house servant, taking care of the family for most of mm-hmm. her life. So she, you know, and I and I always had this feeling, even from as a young child, that she was constantly running from that. You know, mm. emotionally, she was just trying to. I think she had kind of this 
chip on her shoulder that, you know, she was so much better than all that and she was going to show them kind of thing. And, and mm. I think that still is in there somewhere. Um, yeah, but you know, she didn't get any love at all growing up. I can guarantee that. Mm. And, and so and that's the thing I think, and I think many of our parents and, and partners have, have their own stories of, of, um, adverse childhoods and, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same and I always say like I know that I know that my mother didn't have an easy childhood either but um does that does that mean that I have to that I have to suffer for her trauma or is it that I can right. or can I move away from that is it, right. <laughs> like it's, exactly a, it's right. you know it's it, we, you, at some point you have to break that cycle and I think very much I believe as well like she could have also made the choice to try and heal from that trauma and right. she didn't right yes I mean, I, I think sometimes too that that they're it's such a deep thing um, that they can't they can't even really face it, and they're not emotionally. I mean, they're stuck in the you know emotional state of a of a child, mm-hmm. and so they're just not even equipped to to actually make those kind of self realizations and that level of self awareness that it would take for them to actually make the change. Do something, yeah. And that's why you know narcissists are almost impossible to, to put in counseling because as soon as the, as soon as the shame needle starts pointing their way oh, a little bit, boom, yeah. you know, it's all over. Um, well, that's, that's the thing. My mother was assigned counseling a couple of times. She had a couple of burnouts, um, during her life. And so she was off work. And at some point her employer, um, um, insisted she take counseling and assigned her a counselor. But, and that actually, actually happened a couple of times, um, <laughs> as I remember at least two or three times. And, um, but every time that, um, that she would go into, or, or that she would have to go see one of these counselors, like maybe two, three or four sessions, I think to- four max, right? Because yeah. that's really when the counselor is going to think, Hang on a minute. Maybe not everything is, is the fault of everyone else. Yes. Um, and she would leave. She would stop the. She would stop the counselling. But at the same time, my father really used that to say, "No, but she is trying to get better because she went to see yes. that counsellor." And I was like, "Yeah, yes. three freaking times." Yeah. Yeah. As soon as it actually, I, I think you know one of the things, that, and this is kind of carrying the identified patient kind of beyond the family realm. Um, I think it also holds true in adult relationships because um, <clears throat> you know you've been in a situation where you are with a a narcissistic partner or whatever mm-hmm. or somebody that's got a uh, a personality issue some sort of pd and they will tell you that you need to go into counseling yes um and you need help um because a lot of times it's it's a they they are projecting their issues onto you. It's kind yes. of the same pattern. In um, you know, it's one thing to kind of, I guess, agree together, or you know, if somebody says let's go to counseling, then let's go to counseling. Um, and it's very, and they're very in those situations. From my experience, they're actually very good at counseling. They're very good at at making themselves look like they're the victim. Mm-hmm. They're very they're very good at making themselves uh, and making sure that the whole Sessions are always kind of directed about, you know, the other person's issues, mm-hmm. right? So that we kind of stay focused on that and we don't actually get over to to the issues there. When mm-hmm. I was um, with my daughter's mother, we were actually went to counseling before we were married a couple times. 
Um, and initially we saw uh, a guy that, that um, he was uh, he was kind of this had this whole idea um, of men should be sheep kind of thing and let the women do whatever they wanted kind of relationship. Right. So that that didn't really work for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well said. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, we kind of kept going. We went, I don't know, four, five, seven, eight times. And then, so originally we were going together. And then he recommended that there was a, another woman in the office that was booked fully at the time. And we started. And then he recommended we go separately for a while. So she started going seeing this this woman. And um, and so we, and then a couple of times we would come, we would set the appointments up at the same time. And we'd be coming home. And, and a lot of times I could tell she was pretty, Something was, you know, going on there. That that this counselor was obviously digging a little deeper, mm-hmm. and um, so we went to a. Uh, so at, after about a couple months of that, we had a joint session with both counselors in the room, both of us. And what was really interesting about, I think we did one of those, maybe two. I think it was only one. Um, and what was interesting about that is, you know, the 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 guy would would kind of leading. And he would say something, and then we talk, and then, and then and then you know she would talk. My my wife at the time would talk, and or whatever. And then he would kind of like okay, direct the whole problem back onto me. And she and then and her counselor would get up and go, now wait a minute, <laughs> and, and actually <laughs> bring it back onto her somewhere, yeah. you know. And and it was really interesting how you know she didn't like that at all. It, obviously, you know, if there's something wrong with her. And, and she knew one thing was, I mean, I, her characteristics were more along the lines of a borderline. Mm-hmm. And um, she knew that there was issue, she had issues. I, I think that's one of the biggest differences I've seen between like a borderline and a, and a narcissist is most mm-hmm. of the borderline seem like they actually know they have a problem. They yeah. know something's not right. And the narcissists are in such heavy denial that they absolutely refuse to admit there's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and so I think that's why you know borderline might stand a chance in counseling, where a, a true narcissist probably won't. But so it, I think that the whole identified patient does kind of carry forward. With um, you know, when I had the w- one thing that was interesting with my my last girlfriend of any long significance, and she she basically I think was NPD, mm-hmm. and um. I, I keep choosing winners here. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but, <laughs> you're, just, you're just trying to get a full deck. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I'm, try, I'm trying to hit every cluster B here before I die, right? <laughs> but she was interesting about her is we talked a few times about she going into counseling. And she said, ah, it's useless. It's all this cycle babble. It's a waste of time. But mm. then she would tell me how narcissistic and, and you know self-centered I am. Right, but she knew the term narcissistic yeah. enough to, and even though it's all cycle babble and stupid, when it was being applied to me, then it's okay. Yes. You know, it's like it was just, it was very odd, you know. And and when you know she's the one that eventually was unfaithful to me, which is not typical of a narcissist. Um, and so after that happened, she actually said, you know, I'm, I think I probably need some counseling. So because it was like the last three relationships I've been in, I've always cheated on people. I'm like, okay. Oh, <laughs> you know, I don't care. Good luck with that. I'm done with yep. you. 
but it is but it is funny that you or that you say that like it it does it does transcend the the sort of family uh situation i i obviously i worked for um for a narcissistic boss um and pretty much the whole office was in therapy <laughs> except for him yeah and uh but they, that counselor i was seeing at that time also said to me like you know the people with personality disorders you see that like pretty much everyone around them is in counseling to right. learn how to deal with the personality Same. disorder yeah. except yeah. for the person who actually has it yes um and yeah that's that's kind of what i keep seeing yeah <laughs> so yeah. Um, and it's and it's funny because I know that my sister at some point went to see a counselor as well, and and this this particular counselor said to her, "Do you know what I would love to do a session with the whole family?" Yeah, actually asked if he could do a whole a session yeah. with the whole, the whole family. He says because there's there's some stuff going on there that's not healthy, right? And uh, and, and and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll ask them," but obviously never really did because you know that would I also think- mean that she has to. Uh, except the fact that maybe there's something wrong with family other than, you know, my little sister is just so troubled. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the things too, that, you know, when you get in that kind of scenario where the whole family shows up for counseling, I think the, the, the counselor can like read the body language of everybody and kind of, mm. you know, I think you can kind of see, you know, who's the one that's uptight, who's the one that doesn't give care, you know, who's, the, you know, you, you think you have a pretty good, pretty good feel on that pretty quickly long before yeah. you actually like people start talking even yeah you know so i i mean obviously the first session or two people are all gonna be pretty nervous but you know eventually you'll kind of it becomes more old hat and then it'd be easy to you know but obviously the counselor your mother had that, that identified her as the issue within 10 minutes quite glaring i'm sure but but maybe not the right tactic as to addressing that issue well or that's that the thing is yeah, i think there's a lot of and that's you know part of the, the the dynamic of the counseling situation is you know when do you bring that up you know, I know and how you bring it up. Minutes, ten yeah, right. Ten minutes into the pretty first much, session, pretty much, pretty much, literally pointing the finger to at, at a narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I guess you know the thing is, it, it's you might as well point it right away. If you point it later, it's the same thing's going to happen. Right? Yeah, it's that's just, true. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things too that they'll immediately like my. My ex-girlfriend with the narcissistic issues, I mean, anytime she felt anywhere close to threat, she would just break out in a horrible rage. Mm. And um, even even if it was, you know, most time very unjustified. Mm. And um, I think that that's one of those things that, that, you know, their their first defense mechanism is is usually that anger. Um, And they may go home and think about it a little bit and then they'll, you know, somehow rewrite history so it's not their problem and I wouldn't have to do this, you know, no, they're born if, if you didn't born. do this to me first kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's the, to me, it, I always like at the, look at it the, uh, as, as the people that like claim a woman deserved to be raped because she was wearing something in such a way or something like that, you know, you, yeah. you, you deserve to be taken advantage of because of this, you know, it's yeah. not my fault. I took advantage of you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's your fault that I had to right. scream at you. Yeah, definitely.
Hi there, I am Mike Thompson and I'm the director over at Sawn Waters and I'm so excited to tell you that we've recently launched the Healing Academy, which quite literally is a school for healing after abuse. So if you have a past where you have been abused or bullied or had to deal with toxic people, then head over and check it out. There's all sorts of stuff that you can learn. Anything from escaping an abusive situation to dealing with PTSD, to how to learn to self-care, how you can use journaling in your in your healing, um, how to deal with bullies in the workplace. There's all sorts of stuff. I can't even begin to list everything because I will run out of time. So <laughs> head over to swanwaters.com slash join to find out more. Bye. But it's interesting as well that um, when there was uh, this kind of, I just seriously just made this connection as we're as yeah. we're talking. One of the things that would happen um, as I as I grew up, so I was in in my twenties, and and there would be an issue with my parents. And I would insist that we talk because you know I was the child in the relationship, so obviously yeah. uh, I had to I had to act like the adult. But yeah. no, so I would. So I would say like, okay, let's talk. And then it was usually my father that would end up coming to see me or, or come to talk to me. And he would always say, yeah, your mother, your mother's afraid to talk to you because your communication skills are too good. So, <laughs> so even, even in, in situations where I was trying to come up with a solution or I was trying to, you know, heal the relationship or I was, yeah. you know, I was trying to deal with issues that I was having. I was still sort of um, pointed at as, yeah, but you're the problem. You're the reason that we cannot solve this issue is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you're being way too adult about it. <laughs> so it's your communication <laughs> skills, <Yeah. laughs> right? I mean, okay, and it's still your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, I think I know with so much the communication skills as it's the as it's the. Um, <clears throat> your ability to see right through them and they don't like that you know um, no they don't and this was around about the time as well where i would once because <laughs> she did that as well when she feels cornered she would go oh it must be so horrible to be my daughter type thing <laughs> and i and i at some point decided to answer that question with yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes it is yeah. and that and that just kind of did not go down well i yeah. like those kind of statements, I would just go like, "Yeah, it must be horrible." Yeah, the or, total yes, guilt, the horrible. total guilt trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother's that's that's her favorite hammer is the guilt hammer. Yeah, well, she loves to pull that one out. That's the one that's, uh, you know, and I'm 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 guessing that's because it probably worked well for a long time. Oh yeah, definitely, you know? obviously. I mean, yeah. and 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 of course, I've you know, when I was younger, and she would say that to me, I would run to her and give her a hug, although I wasn't really allowed to hug her. But, um, <laughs> um, but you know, you would run and say, "Oh no, of course not," and you know, I mean, because of you know, you you as as a child, you want your mother to know that you love her, and you. Right. And you want to know that your mother loves you, and and especially when you don't feel that your mother loves you, I think you're gonna scream even more that you love her because right. hopefully she'll say it back. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's like it's 
that kind of it's that kind of thing. So yeah, of course that worked for many years, and then at some point I just I don't know. I just thought I'm not doing this anymore. So she would ask me, or, or she would say that, and I would just say, "Yeah, it is horrible, actually." Now that you mention it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then just go off. <laughs> so I think that's really more of the problem. Like you say, I was I was far too capable to to see through what she was doing. I was yeah. not pulling for her games. Yeah. Okay, I get that, but right. Yeah, that, I think that's that's definitely. Uh, you know, one of the bigger issues with that, it, it, and that's like you know, with my mother with her most recent card she sent me about about how we need to get together and settle our differences. Said kind of in a snide, you know, our differences, whatever those might be, I think is what the wording was. Yeah, and and just basically it's like you know, let's just get this over with, kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> so we can go back to whatever it was we had before as a relationship. And I think and that's one of the things that I always think that that people don't really understand sometimes when it comes to people like narcissistic people or people with person, you know, especially narcissists and, and, and even borderlines and some other uh, cluster B types is they don't understand what a, what a healthy relationship is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so any relationship will do, even if it's horribly strained and, and you know, there's actually no real communication. There's no substance to the relationship whatsoever, but at least there's a relationship. They can check the box. Right, mm-hmm. and that's and that's all I need to do is check the box. You know, I'm I'm married. Check. I'm, I'm I've got kids. Check. You know, I've got. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same same thing, well, right? I, you know, I, I think yeah, it's one of the I, reasons I'm, like you see a lot of women, especially that are the narcissistic types, that they you know bounce from relationship to relationship, relationship, and the men are the same way because mm-hmm. they can't be out of relationship because that's I something. Think, and I, to, to an extent as well, I think I, I I mean I do think they get something out of a relationship. It's not anything that you know normal healthy people get out of a right. relationship. But you know they do need that that sort of narcissistic um, uh, supply and 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 all that kind of stuff. And 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 kids are are a good way of getting that because they are less likely to walk away from you than you know a, a partner or a, mm-hmm. an employee or whoever really. Um, but at the same time, uh, I also think sometimes like they want people around them because spending time by yourself often means spending time in your own head. And yeah. I can't imagine a narcissist's head being a very happy place <laughs> to hang out. I'm, I know that I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah. So, so I think that's, you know, that might also be a reason why, um, why a, um, they are, you know, they need people around them, so they need relationships uh, mm-hmm. around them. But at the same time, they mess these relationships up because they have, you know, they they're looking for all the wrong things from <laughs> from right. the people that they're relationships that they have are about what, them. yeah, about what what the other person can do for them, right? It's exactly. Not, it's not about a, a any kind of equal footing, and no matter whether that's a parent child relationship or a Adult relationship, or you know, a friendship, or anything—they're all just treated the same way. It's all about yep. what can, what can, oh, can I get out of this kind of thing? Yes, definitely. Um, and and so it's. I mean, my mother used to, uh, with her, it was, and I always thought this was weird. We used to, we had friends, family friends that that were several levels social status above us. My my mm-hmm. father was a teacher, high school teacher. My mother was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, we, we were not, de- you know, terribly poor, but we certainly weren't well to do by any means, but we had friends that were, you know, had houses on lakes and this kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And, and anybody that was like within our, our normal, our, our level of social status was not acceptable, you know? Right. And that's kind of the same thing that, that, you know, these relationships, well, I can, I can get more out of this, right? It's, I look better because I'm hanging out with these people that have money. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's one thing that, and it was, it's interesting how my, you know, my mother's very strong on the Christianity and the Christian values and, and it, but it's interesting how she picks and chooses the ones that, that apply. Yeah. And, and, you oh, know, if definitely. You, if you kind of look at the whole, you know, one of the things that, what's the, the saying is that it's easier for a rich man to pass through an eye of a needle than it is, or, or a camel to pass through an eye of a needle and a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, so in that, in that realm, if you actually want your children to go to heaven for your Christianity beliefs, you shouldn't really be encouraging them to be very rich. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did money become, you know, your, your real God is money, right? Is you have enough money. And, yeah. and, and it's not even so much the, you know, the bank account. It's actually like the possessions kind of thing. Yes. You know, oh, I, definitely because like, I grew up in a, in a mansion that, you know, but, but then, um, both my parents were teachers and, um, it was very tough to afford that. Um, so people would say like, oh, and you live in this beautiful house and marble floors and la-di-da-di-da. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? Um, you know, my parents are struggling to actually feed us. because right. <laughs> yeah, they can't afford this house. Hmm. So house poor. So, yeah, exactly. So, so how, you know, how does that work? I don't, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it's stunning. It's a beautiful house. I hated it. I, and I still <laughs> yeah. do. I mean, it just ah. Uh, oh, well, it's kind of a not a very warm place. I'm sure it's like an old old house like that, with marble floors and stone, and it's not I like know. it's a it's a very austere. I'm sure, and and you know, putting your toddler to crawl around on the marble floor. Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> yeah, give him a carpet or something. <laughs> <laughs> So. But uh, yeah, you know it's 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 strange because, and and I think that actually sort of plays into the um, uh, isolating people uh, uh, part as well because who's going to believe that you have a rough childhood when you live in a house like that, right? Because yeah. you, come on, you live in a house like that. Um, but I think the identify the identified patient. Uh, or the scapegoat or, you know, whatever you want to call this person, but there's a person in, um, in a narcissist's life um, that has all their issues projected onto them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I mean, if it's a child, then, you know, that's handy, um, right. but it could also be a partner or, you know, someone they work with or a friend or, a, but someone has all this crap, <laughs> right. Uh, projected yep. onto them. Um and if it's projected onto someone else then, you know, it it then that's a perfect excuse not to have to do any self-reflection because, you know, I'm not talking about me. I'm right. talking about the other person, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it's a good way to get um to get stuff out of your head to not yeah. have to spend any time <laughs> in there. Yeah, my my mother is I mean it's I, I know enough I've seen enough seen enough of the projecting thing that it is it is interesting how it's how it's done and and, and I you know I, I think there's also a piece that that from a scapegoat kind of thing that that it, I just the whole mindset is so different 
you know, mm-hmm. from 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 the narcissist to the scapegoat type of scenario that I don't think either one can really understand the other at oh. all. It's just not possible because um, you know, the narcissistic person is just very self-centered and, and would rather stab you in the back if they get to take they could take twenty bucks out of your pocket, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and where the scapegoat would you know they're very typically very giving, but sometimes. You know, if you're getting a, when you fall into the codependent type of thing, you're, you're doing things with the, with the same strings a lot of times that the narcissist has, um, mm-hmm. and you're kind of expecting the narcissist to behave a certain way, and you're having you know, so you give them the benefit of the doubt because well they didn't mean it or whatever, and you start making excuses for them, and, yeah. and instead of just looking at the behavior for what it is or what was actually truly said, you know, and and um, you'll you'll put up with things that you shouldn't tolerate, and that's where I've been for pretty much my entire life um, getting in relationships with and putting up with things that I absolutely shouldn't, shouldn't put up with, should never put up in the first place. And, um, and it's hard and it's hard to identify that because you've grown up with that kind of behavior. Exactly. I mean, it's your, it, that, and that's the whole, that's the tricky part of growing up with, uh, within a toxic family is that your normal is so warped. Right. I mean, how are you supposed to know uh, what a relationship should be like if right. you know if you've grown up in that dynamic then sure of course you're going to find that dynamic dynamic again and i and the more people i speak to who uh maybe join sawn orders because they've they've been in a in a, a toxic um romantic relationship once they start thinking about think hey hang on a minute hang yeah, on right. a minute this so is stuff for, that I've yeah you know. exactly this is stuff that I've taken from the you know my family and my family mm-hmm. of origin and and I've taken that and I've implemented it into a relationship and I found another narcissist or another yeah. you know uh, whatever that's normal that's, that, that's why I think yeah we we talked before about how your emotional self and your and your intellectual self are very disconnected I mean mm-hmm. you can you can understand that intellectually yes I. You know, I get in these relationships and I constantly have this thing, but emotionally, you'll start because you, this is what you're familiar with, and this is what your definition of love is emotionally, right? From from your mm-hmm. upbringing or whatever, that you keep pursuing the same kind of scenario again because that's what feels right to you emotionally. Yeah, um, and that's I think that that that's that's probably one of the hardest things to overcome is to get get away from that emotionally. I mean, you can talk about it all day, but doing it is a whole other deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I but think one thing you brought up too. And that's what makes healing so hard. Yeah. It's hard work. I, I think one thing you brought up too, especially like if you grew up in a very, very religious household like I did, is you are required to forgive, right? So, yes. So it's, there's, there's that little piece too, right? You're required to turn the other cheek. Um, and eventually it comes a point, it's like, okay, well, there's no, you know, I can only turn, I'm completely black and blue here. How much what yeah. I, I put up with? Um but yeah, that's you know, it's like somebody, you know, you stab somebody and you go, okay, you have to forgive me because you're, you're a Christian kind of thing, right? You know, good Christian yeah. would forgive me for doing that. It's like, well, yeah, well, but it doesn't and, mean and I, I have to still associate with you. Exactly. <laughs> and I think a lot of people as well use a sort of that kind of um, definition of forgiveness where they say, yeah, if I've so for, forgiving someone is kind of giving them a free pass. Like, right. listen. I I don't hold a grudge towards my parents, and I I truly don't. But I I will never see them again, um, yeah. hopefully. And um, and that doesn't mean I don't think they are responsible for 
their actions and their choices. Exactly right. That's their responsibility. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting here think, thinking about it all the time. I mean, I don't really care. But you know, mm. they have to deal with with a situation that they created as much as I did, if if right. not more. Right. Yeah, I think like my, with my mother, as she's getting older here, and and um, you know, it, it's in, in getting old. You know, half your friends are dead eventually, and <laughs> and you're just waiting your time, kind of thing. And I think that's one of the times when. And even from my blog, I've seen some of that where people, when they're dealing with aging parents that are narcissists, it's it's um, very very challenging um, mm-hmm. because they they don't have the you know the looks are gone, the, the physical skills are gone, you know all these things are gone. Other ways to get supply, um, you know they may still have money, they may not. Um, you know the friends that they've probably been manipulating for years have finally swised up and left them alone. And family doesn't want much to do with them, and so they're very alone. Yeah. And um, and I'm sure that's with my mother. I'm sure she feels very alone. Um, and so, you know, and and I'm sure she's upset because you know I can't. She hasn't seen her granddaughter, or at least mine, my, my you know granddaughter through me in two years now plus. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think that that kind of makes it so it's you know when when they do get a chance to actually try to manipulate somebody, they try that much harder. Um, cause that's the only technique they have, right? Yeah. That's the only thing, that's the only technique they have. It's like my mother with her, you know, I might die thing. Um, it's like, yes. it's like, you know, I've, I've been using this technique for years and it's not working. I got to try harder. I got to, you know, I got to get a bigger sledgehammer, right? Yes. I, can't, I can't use the same still, mallet. And, I, yeah. I still only know how to use the guilt hammer, but right. maybe if I get a bigger one. Right. I got to find the biggest one I can find. Yeah. And, you know. And, and the failing health is a pretty common one when it comes to the Definitely. parents. You know, that's they'll they'll throw the you know the health issue out there, and you know I could die. And, and this is this is the second time that she said something along those lines to me in the last six eight months through some sort of communication. Um, she left me a phone message once that was like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> I could die soon, and whatever. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, you could. So could I. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But it 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 is it is very funny because the whole, or no it's not really funny but yeah. um, ironic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when I when I was so the last time I spoke to one of my sisters, um, she asked and and this was where well, maybe two years into maybe a year and a half two years into me not speaking to my parents, mm-hmm. and, and she asked so would you attend their funerals and I says no and she's like yeah. oh but that's very extreme and I thought and I thought to myself I would feel like such a hypocrite. <laughs> If yeah, I would say, like, right. I'm not going to speak to you while you're alive, but once you're dead, I'll come and yeah, I'll see. come to your funeral. Yeah. Like, no, I don't know, but the whole death thing is always, a, and I think it, you know, I have no idea. I know I'm going to, re- I'm, I know I'm going to react somehow. Right. Um, I just don't know how. Um, yeah, that whole failing health and dying thing yeah. for parents is that's that's a tricky part of the. Of it the certainly journey, is. I think. I mean, I I don't right now. I, I even had this thought the other day. It's like you know, I, I was watching something, or I heard something, and they were talking about how much they missed their mother or something like that after she died. And I'm like, I I haven't missed my mother in I can't I can't I I don't know if I ever have exactly. <laughs> no, seriously, I ever yes. Have I have no idea what that feeling is. No, you know. I, I, I have not for a second 
not for a second and I've not spoken to him for, for about three years now. Yeah. And seriously, there's not a, I mean, I've, I've grieved the relationship, but more right. sort of, um, the fact that I never had a relationship with them. Right. Uh, I, you know, I seriously, I have yeah, not the, missed them at all. And I've, I'm f- kind of feel the same with my siblings, although the no contact decision was far harder, but yeah. since I've actually done that, I can't, really honestly say that i miss them yeah yeah and, i'm kind of the same way with my brother i don't i don't miss him really because usually every time we get together it, as soon as it would get to a point where you start talking about you know something that would be more more a deeper topic mm-hmm. he would immediately either either he'd immediately start shutting it down or he'd tell me that you know it's my issue and i need to go get it fixed so he was basically being my mother's flying monkey yes um you know, because this is the training he had growing up that is everything is everything is Stefan's issue, mm-hmm. and you know, so that's what he was basically well, taught. Yeah. Was, so he just he just following the script. <laughs> well, that's but that's the thing, yeah. Oh, and so and so do all my sisters as well. Obviously, yeah. I mean, this is and this has been the dynamic for as long as they can remember. You know, it's um, and the funny thing is though that a lot of times, um, apparently as a kid they would be really jealous because I would get attention that they didn't get because I was mm. so much younger yeah. than they were. Um, yeah. But like I said, it, the, the, the dynamic as it is now really sort of was became, became set in stone when I was about 12-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I definitely had to have a, a huge part in how that all came about, I would think. Mm. I mean, I, don't, I think there was, you know, a lot of times there – I think there, there, there has to be somebody that's going to be a scapegoat in these kind of families, right? And mm-hmm. and you made the t- you made the task easy mm-hmm. because you 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 were the one that became a burden. Yep. And and I think in my family it's kind of the same thing because once my brothers were born, they were all of a sudden the golden children. They got all, all attention. Everybody liked them. You know, they did much better in school. I became a burden, right? Yep. So. Um, and it was you – know, my, my parents went to, like, extreme measures to make sure that I didn't succeed. It was – looking back, it's pretty pretty crazy. I mean, I I, I was accepted to go um, to college at, at several very good schools when I was graduating mm-hmm. high school. And my – you know, we turn in the – and here in the U.S., there's a you, – you, as a parent, you turn in the financial aid packet, right? And then you – so you turn your taxes in and then they come back with us and – you can take this much in loans and the parents have to contribute this, right? X amount of money. Mm-hmm. And um, they refused to contribute it because they said, well, you're just going to fail anyway, right? So why should we waste our money? <laughs> and so that, that, was, that was essentially the message that was given to me. But the other, nice side, of this, this, this other, th- other side of the whole thing is my mother is this huge proponent of education, right? She thinks unless you have an education, there's no way you can be successful. In fact, she she already told me once on the phone years ago that she felt you know eventually you won't even be able to get a job unless you have a college education. Yeah, I'm like that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, so so she's giving me this message of of you know you have to if you want to be successful in this world you have to have a college education. Um, but but the problem with you is you're 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 going to fail. You're yeah. never going to be successful. And, and and the whole message is implied in there that you're never going to be successful because you can't get a college education. Oh, never mind that you can actually get into college. We're not going to help you just to make sure that our 
our path for you that we've selected yes. <laughs> is fulfilled. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. It, it, it's a very, Absolutely. very twisted dynamic. It really is. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, it was, that was I, like my senior year of high school, junior year of high school were probably some of the most difficult times of my life dealing with all that kind of stuff with my family. Mm. I think also being the oldest too, just naturally parents have a hard time letting the kids grow up. Mm. Um, you know, and, because you don't really know when to allow certain privileges and when to do, you know, and what. But I, I'm of the opinion, like, okay, if the kid shows they're responsible, then let them have responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't say, okay, you can't do anything till you're 16 or something like that. You know, it's like if they're responsible enough at 12 or 13, then you know, until you prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I always thought I agree. Picking a number seems so random. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, 16 or I mean, and one 16 year old, and yeah, and the one 16 year old is definitely not the, the next. Yes. No, uh, the next sixteen-year-old. Exactly. Yeah, it's like my my daughter. I just got she got her. Uh, she's very responsible, but she has this idea in her head that she's not, and I don't know where it comes from. Um, I mean, I she, she will during the school year, she will be doing stuff and she'll be in a room or something like that, and and she'll come downstairs at seven p.m. and say, "Okay, time to do homework," and I'm like. <laughs> Well, I didn't do that when I was a kid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, like something wrong with you. <laughs> There's something right with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wasn't like that. I was like putting it off to like quarter to nine and then trying to get it all done in a few minutes. <laughs> you know, so, the, sorry. Yeah, I, I, Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, in the interest of time, we should probably break. But go ahead if you want. If you wanted to add something. No, it's okay. That's fine. Yeah, just because I know we're we're running a little bit long, even for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So let me. I just wanted to say I want to thank you too for for you know talking with us today. Uh, You you're wonderful speakers, and we love um, you know every opportunity to to speak with you guys, Stefan Monkey. Uh, you know, thanks for a, a wonderful conversation um, on an important topic. I, I'd like to also thank our participants. I, I hope you found this uh, informative and useful as we probed the identified patient. I certainly did. If you're and if you enjoyed listening and you want to come back for more, um, uh, sign up for our newsletter. We'll certainly notify folks via the newsletter when we have new podcasts. If you have any questions, of course, you can submit them on the page just below. Uh, any comments, questions for our our speakers? Um, we are. We look forward to your questions and comments. So thanks, everyone. Uh, Thanks to our speakers. And I think we're going to end it right there. And we wish you all a wonderful week. Thank you.